Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023, thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Reacting to today's practice, the Players Club, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built for tough. Training Camp 2023, Denver Broncos on the air, thanks to Ting Internet. If you live in Centennial, make Ting your Lightspeed Internet provider for as low as $89 a month. Go to ting.com slash centennial for more info. Chad, it's 10 o'clock and practice is uh, starting. Now, the first 30, 45, maybe an hour, more, um, you know, calisthenics, individual drills, getting yourself warmed up. But today is the first day of pads, and we have an angle on the berm from here, and the berm is, is, is filling up. Um, over there, and uh, weird weather this morning here, but it's clearing out and clearing up, and uh, could be another hot one. Um, Chad, a lot about football, like in missing football for me, are, are the, the 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 feel of you know the the pads clicking in, the helmet biting down on your mouthpiece, mm-hmm. the chin strap going over your chin, um, and a helmet just kind of, you know, the helmet's tight on your head. Mm-hmm. And when you spend the offseason not wearing a helmet, it takes some adjustment with that. The pads are a new level to that. The football pants with, uh, did you wear pants or pads in your pants? Thigh pads. That, that was it? No knee pads? Never. You you wanted to look as pretty as possible, right? Was it, was it a cosmetic thing? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. You got to look a certain, there's a certain look. If you're going to go out there and be a warrior, you need to look like your version of a warrior, whatever that looks like to you. All right, well, what did that look like to you? <clears throat> Thigh pads, no knee pads, uh, high socks. High sock guy. High socks, pants typically above the knees a little bit. Did, you ever, uh, did that ever come back to bite you? Did you ever bang knees or oh, something? Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, what late, kind of shoulder pads did you wear? Big ones, small ones? Early in my career, I wore everyone wore big shoulder pads. Yeah. Early in my career, but were you then, a neck roll guy? Uh, not unless they made me do it, and okay. I hated it the entire time. Whenever they made me do it, um, by the time I got to Seattle, I think year two in Seattle is when the, the small pads first started coming out, the smaller versions, and I was one of the first guys to do it. And I thought these are incredible. They're smaller, they're lighter. I can move much better. Um, I wore the same face mask style my entire career. I change mouthpieces all the time, and for the most part, I wear black gloves because in the movies, assassins wear black gloves. They don't wear blue or red or white. Assassins wear black gloves. So that's how you viewed yourself as an assassin. I tried to, yes. Wow. I am I'm a highly paid assassin. Come out here and assassinate your offense. That's what I'm trying to do. Chad Brown. So on a day like today, you're walking out. Now, you're, are you sore on day four or five without, like, you, you haven't been wearing pads, but are you sore from just the dynamic movement of practice? Uh, yeah, because no matter what you try to do in the offseason, the first couple of days of practice, there's always going to be a, a drill you haven't done before. So whether it's your back or your groin or whatever the case may be, I mean, you haven't, at least back in our, in our day, there would be two-a-days uh, by the first by this time. You'd be a little sore from that. And then you'd be at the facility till 10 o'clock at night. So just sitting in those meetings would make my back sore. So practice changes a lot for, for most people when you put on the pads. It doesn't change at all for <laughs> FedEx Freight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't change at all for kickers, right? Uh-huh. It changes a little bit for the quarterbacks. 
Does just, it? You just to throw in motion with the shoulder pads okay. on. All a right. little bit different. Uh-huh. Now, there's no physical contact for them. Right. Red, red so, jerseys. If so, you're going to get cut if right. you hit the quarterback. Stay so, away from the quarterback, rookie. Did you ever accidentally hit a quarterback in practice? Like, oh, yeah. Just forget what was going on that and, they're in a red jersey? And the difference between when I was a rookie and Bill Cowher almost made me leave the field mm. versus when I did that in Seattle and I'm an all-pro and Mike Holmgren just says, hey, man. Stay away from the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Very different reactions. So you did it both places. You teed off on the QB. Well, you're, I, you're an assassin. How could you back off? I never hit Chad Brown. the quarterback in practice, but I got too close for coach's comfort. Because once you get around him, the quarterback's throwing motion. His thumb hits your helmet. Mm. Suddenly, quarterback's lost eight games. Or you hit his elbow. Did that or ever happen? Did Not, you injure a quarterback? I've never injured a quarterback in practice, no. Would you ever like, so, okay, so defense linemen like to be like, that would have been a sack, right? Mm-hmm. No matter, like, and, and there's a little bit of a dispute because you're not actually sacking him, right? Right. Would, would there be something you, like, whisper in the quarterback's ears, you ran by him, would you say, was there, like, a Chad Brown, like, gotcha, gotcha? soft, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha, Chad Brown, gotcha. Wow, okay, cool. Beat the tackle around the edge, coming by. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> the, the trademarked Chad Brown. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you do hear that, if you're out in the world and you hear gotcha, that means. You know what? I'm coming. Yeah. That yes. means the assassin has, has breached your security. I'm striking distance. I gotcha. Chad Brown. <laughs> do you leave a coin on his head afterwards or something? <laughs> no. I pull out one of those uh, cards from uh, Apocalypse Now, those death cards. Yeah. Put it in right there next to him. Yeah. That yes. would have been a flag, though. Penalty. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Who's <laughs> celebrating with a prop? <laughs> Um, all right, so the quarterback puts on pads, no big deal. Um, the receivers, how does it change for the wide receivers with pads on? Well, it does change a little bit. First of all, your catch radius is a little bit affected by those by those pads on your shoulders. You know, you you know when you're in off season in minicamp, no pads, or you're just throwing with your with your quarterback, you can go up and get anything unimpeded with your shoulders, and your catch radius is impre- is incredible. You put those pads on, all of a sudden, whoop! There is a little bit of an impediment there, and. Um, you get, that's why you got to get the right pads, small pads. You never really see a receiver wearing big old pads. That's so they have the shoulder mobility and, and the ability to get up and catch anything. Also, you don't want to get a lot of surface area for the DBs to put their hands on you. You got big shoulder pads out there. It allows a bigger surface area for them to get hands on you and hold you. I'm twisting you all around. You come try to stalk block me with those big things on. I'm going to use those like a handlebar, buddy. That's right. And um, and and on top. Of- and on top of that, with the assassin yes. glove, right? <laughs> the you black know? assassin glove. And, and the joy um, with which you're describing um, <laughs> manhandling receivers. You, the, you're I a little, you a little sadistic. I wish you would. Literally, that was my attitude. You're going to block me with Cecil the receiver? Lamy. What is up? Cecil with the Broncos uh, Jays on. Bronco color Jays. Cecil. And the, and the hair fresh out of the shower, slicked back under his hat. Just, oh. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I wish you would try to block me with the wide receiver. You guys, that's not what... Okay, it, well, what about... It's got to be within your heart. Okay, yeah, it is a heart issue. Because, but a lot of teams are doing that. Inserting a wide receiver down um, towards, uh, towards the scrum there and having, yeah. and having him pin a player. You see a lot of folks doing that mm-hmm. now. If you have a receiver who can do that, that's an asset to your team, right? Huge, huge. If you've got a guy with the mindset of uh, Heinz Ward, absolutely. And the creativity of Kyle Shanahan to insert that guy... To, you know, be able to pick off a safety or shield off a linebacker because they're not looking. Kyle Shanahan is not looking for Debo Samuels to have a knockout block on somebody. He just wants that guy to insert in, not see that wide receiver coming. He'll be able to screen him off so that Christian McCaffrey can gain another five or six yards. And it is a want to. Yes. It's a it's a hard thing. Yep. You got to stick your head in there and it's one of the th- not, not every receiver can do it. So who is that guy on this team? Is it, is it Jerry Judy you're going to put down there? Nope. 
Is it Corlin Sutton? Uh, nope. Nope. It's probably Tim Patrick. It's Tim Patrick. And who's the other guy? We need another one. We Who need is two. going to be that other guy? I would love to see Corlin Sutton use his size and his strength and become that guy. I think some of the explosiveness that he lost with the ACL injury, he can make himself a far more useful player now to become a Larry Fitzgerald-esque, a guy who can play the slot, use his big body to get down there, do some of the dirty work, but then exploit the mismatches against linebackers and safeties we can run by. Larry Fitzgerald had those hands, though. He had incredible hands. True. That's not something you say about Corlin Sutton. True. Corlin Sutton needs to remember how to catch the football with his hands securely. He, I've seen him do it. Last year, he did not do it. So, I don't know, you know, we can blame the coaching. And I think they were failed by their receiver coach last year, Zach Azani. Sweet guy. Everyone likes him as a dude. As a quarterback, or I'm sorry, as a receiver coach, did not drive a lot of results. Um, he had one 1,000-yard ru- uh, receiver, I think, in his entire tenure as a si- for, for six years as a receiver coach. So, they got Kerry Colbert in there now. He, was a, he is a former NFL receiver. I played with him here in 2008. He's a smart guy, good communicator, nice dude, cares about the game. So hopefully he can drive some better results from those guys. All right, Sean Payton. Actually, before we get into that, um, where am I? Oh, no, yeah, we're good. Um, Sean Payton. So his comments about this being the worst coach team in the history of the world, and it was dirt on everybody's hands. He wasn't just talking about these coaches. He was talking about the front office that's still here. What is his relationship like with those guys after those comments surfaced, and how would his team react to those types of comments? That's next. Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023, thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Reacting to today's practice, the Players Club, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built Ford Tough. Welcome back to the Players Club. We're sitting across the street from Centura Training Center, and practice is underway. Uh, we got a couple fans stopping by saying what's up to us here at the DenverSports.com zone. And um, so, Chad, I, I want to dive a little bit back into just – and we're going to talk about Sean Payton and his comments and how that plays in this building with the front office and the team um, of players who he was actually trying to defend. But um, I, I want to continue down the road of just talking a little bit about training camp and the realities of putting on pads today uh, for the first time. Offensive linemen, because you were a 15-year veteran, right? So yep. you can, this is your happy place. Right? You're an assassin. You've been building this up entire season to come and destroy, just wreak havoc on these dudes. Absolutely. It's my job. So, maybe when you do. So, you come in a little sharper, probably, than your opposition. I would like to think so. So, what was that like, the acclimation period for offensive linemen and defensive linemen? I mean, who comes around quicker? Who ne- who needs a little bit of time to get acclimated to the pads? Who ends up winning these first couple days? Defense, typically, because offensive line is such a technique-based thing. And there's a, it's, it's a very rare offensive lineman who is just so physically good, physically athletic, and physically strong that they can dominate without getting their technique honed. And the technique for offensive linemen uh, is different in pads than it is without pads because they can lean on you, they can include their face in that, use your helmet and all that. So their first week of training camp for the offensive line Oh, you're beating all those guys for the most part because their technique is just not quite where ours is. And I don't, I have the option because I'm a better athlete than you are, a linebacker versus an offensive lineman. I don't have to go into your wheelhouse and fight you on a physical fight. I can just make you miss. I can give you a little, little jab step, little one, two, and make you miss. So while you're still trying to hone your technique, I can take advantage of my athleticism. 
Once your technique is up, now it becomes a chess match. Now I've got to try to fool you. Am I going to make you miss? Am I going to run through your face? Am I going to slap your hands down? Now I've got to dig into my back with tricks. But that's not until week two or three of training camp. Yeah, so, yeah, but when I was in, when I first started playing tight end, the beginning of training camp was really rough because the defensive guys are pinning, pinning their ears, ears back. This right. is what they're ready for. This is what they, you know, they don't like practices without pads, or at least a lot of defensive players don't because the offense, it's, it's about protecting players and not being as physical as you can be or whatever it is. And once you put on the pads, those defensive guys can cut loose and get upfield. And, and a guy like me who was deficient in the – in the in the blocking element of it, and the, I'm thinking about Greg Dulcich. I'm thinking about Albert O. Those guys who are probably going to get beat up over the next couple of days. But it's absolutely what they need. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they you have to work on your weaknesses when you become a professional football player. Not necessarily your strengths. Your strengths is what got you here. Now you got to become a more complete player. Guys like Greg Dulcich and Albert O. Two tight ends on this team. In my opinion, this this tight end room is configured very similar to what it was last year with uh, each guy doing something specifically well. We need a guy who does it all well. And Greg Dulcich and Alberto can develop into those guys. They don't never need to be Chris Manhurts level blockers, but they need to be sufficient in the running game to be able to be believable decoys, right? And so I hope Greg Dulcich gets his butt kicked today and for the next week. I hope Alberto gets it kicked as well. These guys need to get kicked, the butts kicked on the field, go into those meeting rooms, and figure out why it's happening and get a little bit better every day. As far as receivers go with the pads, we are talking about it a little before the break and the catch radius and putting your hands above your head and all that. But the physical nature of, uh, you know, Getting a release off the line of scrimmage and man coverage. That's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and not only that, but the contested catches, which I think is where these guys really need to improve, specifically Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton. Sometimes the DB is going to guess right, and you may have a real sweet release, but they're right there in your pocket. Jerry Judy, to me, if he needs, if he's going to be an elite receiver in this league, has to get better at the point of contact with these contested catches and go fight for those balls, and that's something you could do out here at training camp. I agree with that. That's probably the, for Jerry Judy's overall game, that may be the weakest part of it all, is the ability to uh, fight for the ball once it's in the air. Uh, I think Jerry Judy's, uh, his hands aren't normally great anyway, whether he's wide open or it's a very tight window that someone's throwing the ball through, but his ability to snatch the ball, to aggressively take the ball from the defensive back, when the ball's up in the air and it's a questionable who's going to come down with it, we need both those guys to fight to come down with it. We've all seen receivers who have just tremendous ball skills, no matter where the ball is, whether it's wide open or someone's blanketing them, they have the ability to kind of fight through the, the, the army of hands and pluck that ball all the way and secure it tightly, that's where Jerry Judy's game needs to go to the next level. Because this defense, I'm sorry, this offense with Russell Wilson, I don't think there's going to be a ton of wide open windows here. There's going to be a majority of, of the windows are going to be tighter than what we've seen maybe in the past. So his ability to grow into that kind of receiver is going to be critical for him and then critical for this offense to move forward. These defensive backs have been the, the position group praised uh, the earliest here in training camp. Why? Because they know these are quick passes. They know they can jump on them. They're not going to get double moves. They're not going to get taken over the top. Right now, what they're trying to do is work on the quick game. The defense knows it. They're teeing off on it. They're jumping these routes. These guys have to 
take this as an opportunity to fight for those difficult balls. And if Russell Wilson takes off running, guess what? Nobody gets that opportunity. So throw the ball, Russell. Throw it on time and let these guys fight for the ball. All right, Sean Payton's comments have been sort of the, the main story in the NFL world over the last couple of days. Not only just for throwing Coach Hack and his staff under the bus, but throwing some of these guys under the bus who still work here, including George Payton. Here is Sean Payton talking about his comments on George Payton. The front office and the ownership are the two reasons I came here. So George and I are close. He was one of the big attractions, he and ownership. My, my point was it was just across the board organizationally. It wasn't one person. And, uh, yeah, so they're good. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously. You go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's some really hard words for certain people to say. You don't think he said it to George himself? And you took those comments publicly. Yeah. You said public this is this is just sean being sean man that's why you brought him in here relative to what he says and i'm not saying he's an awful person but clearly this is a dude who who is not going to apologize he's an awful person but (laughs) but he's not going to preface it with that it's not going to be great all right but he's not going he's he's not willing to say i'm sorry or i apologize for those words i need to say a public apology to everyone here why does he if he apologized to george behind closed doors why does he have to do it for everyone to hear because he said those comments publicly. Stink. Stink. How is he so swole, man? Yeah. Did you just go do some uh, curls in your car? Uh, all right. That's smart. Stink walking by looking all swole, swole. man. Massively swole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not much behind, though. Just, it's, it's, it's all up front. <laughs> you said he's, he's, he's skipping leg day? Yeah. It's a, more of a, a little more of a prison body from Stink going on right now. He looking good. Yeah. He looking, <laughs> but but again, finish. Because and. What Sean Payton was saying there, it was all good, and then he got to the part where most people would say, and, and I'm sorry, and I apologize. And then he just said, and, and, and we're good. He couldn't let the words come out of his mouth. Do you think that they had these conversations, though, when he got here? Because, okay, he said the ownership and front office are the two reasons, are the two reasons I'm here, not two of the reasons. So in, in one way, I heard that as like, oh, he certainly didn't come here because of Russell Wilson. Mm. That had nothing to do why, with why he's here. And in mm-hmm. fact, there is communication between George Payton, the front office, and Sean Payton that Russell Wilson really isn't. <laughs> he's on a trial run here. Right. Um, but do you think that George Payton and Sean Payton had this kind of candid conversation about this where it was all ironed out and on the table prior to these comments he made to Jared Bell? It's not like George Payton learned something from hearing this thing about uh, uh, this story by Jared Bell, did he? No. I, I think George Payton definitely knew that he was not that Russell Wilson was not served well by the leadership here last year. So when Sean Payton said those things was George Payton like, oh my gosh, how could he say such things? He was a, he was here last year. So he year. doesn't care. Uh, maybe that doesn't care, maybe taking a step too far, but he was aware that that was a situation where some of the eccentricities of Russell Wilson's first year here were allowed to go on far longer than they needed to go on. Speaking of swole, there goes Brandon Stokely, too. Looking swole. Oh, 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 oh. oh. I, I want to see him in a, in a flex off with uh, Stink. Who do you think wins? Stinker has the size. He's advantage. got the size, but, but Stokely's like a little more cut up. Yeah, a little bit more vascular. Yeah, yeah, a little more vascularity there. Interesting, interesting. All right, guys. Um, we are here live from Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Con Construction. 
Colorado-owned, family-operated commercial general contracting for over 30 years along the front range. Conconstruction.com. Check him out. All right, so Peyton walks back his comments from USA Today article. Aaron Rodgers then claps back. And Frank Clark had some interesting things to say to Broncos country. We'll do that and more in the morning mixtape next. (laughs) The Players Club welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate. All right, we've been talking about it a lot. Sean Payton walks back his comments from a USA Today article. I guess Sean Payton expressed a little bit of regret on Friday for what he said in the USA Today article earlier this week. Yeah, listen, I had I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and not my coaching hat on. And, uh, you know, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message. And here I am, the veteran. Um, you know, stepping in it, and uh, you know, it was it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake, obviously. I needed a little bit more filter. Um, you know, there's a pound of flesh for these guys, and, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, you know, we're past that season last year, and and you know, I said what I said, and, and obviously, I needed it a little bit more uh, restraint, and uh, I regret that. Um, that being said, what I told the team is, you know, if it can happen, and I, I'm th- I think I'm pretty good relative to working with the media and, and pretty savvy, and I just had one of those moments. Jared's a good friend, uh, real good at his job, and uh, two lattes in the morning, first first one I see, and 40 minutes later, I'm, I'm regretting it. So uh, it is what it is. The, the, the two lattes thing always just cr- cracks me up. Uh, Chad, okay, I have a specific question about this um, relative to your time in the media and as a coach. Okay. Because you've done both. I have. And you actually went back and forth between the two a yes. little bit. Uh-huh. Did you have to take off your media hat when you went back into coaching and interned and t- started talking to those guys? Was, are they different hats? Are you a different dude when you're in the media than you are as a coach? Yes. Uh, to Sean Payton's point, there is a difference uh, in things that you can talk about, things that you can talk about in detail, all of that. And so, uh, you know, the difference for me when I would go back and forth is how do I take the listener inside what I just did without revealing any of the information that would be proprietary to to Kyle Shanahan or to Pete Carroll in Seattle and all the other places where I did these coaching internships at. So I want to bring the listener or the viewer into the experience that I had and let them kind of come in the locker room, but, but still protecting those folks who allowed me to have those experiences. And I think Sean Payton lost track of that, as he clearly did say there. Um, but again, you, 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 you kind of nullify the whole thing when you say, you know, it is what it is. No. Are you apologizing? Are you not? Are you full of regret or are you not? He regrets that you are so thin-skinned that you can't handle the truth. That's okay. essentially what it is. And it is what it is. Yeah. So it's not quite an apology. Definitely not an apology. No. Uh, didn't say you sorry. Didn't apologize. Just I've got some regret. I should have done things better. And it is what it is. So this is Sean Payton is going to be. Get used to it, Broncos country. We got a dude who's not going to. Put on a, a false face for the media who's not going to apologize, who's not going to back down from his words. Um, it's refreshing, it's new, it's different. Um, and we got to get ourselves used to it because. 
This ain't going to change. Well, we liked it around here, but some folks didn't. Aaron Rodgers, uh, one of those guys. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. Aaron Rodgers, one of those guys. He clapped back a little bit at Sean Payton. Here he is on the NFL Network responding to Payton's comments on former Broncos head coach and Rodgers' best buddy, Nathaniel Hackett. It made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. I love Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> okay, but does uh, it, this is clearly being sold differently in the different camps. Right. Here, this is about being a truth teller. About calling it like you see it last year with the ineptitude of this team and the, the, how poorly it was coached. Over there, they're backing their coach Hackett and saying, this guy's a good coach. That team is bad. And so Sean Payton is trying to grease the skids for a poor season and have someone to blame for it. Where do you fall on this, Chad? All right. Is Aaron Rodgers going to have Nathaniel Hackett's back? Of course he is. Just as Sean Payton was trying to have Russell Wilson's and the rest of the team's back over here. So no surprise there. That's what coaches are supposed to do. That's what players are supposed to do for their coaches. We're all in this whole thing together. Um, but is this an effort by Sean Payton to provide some cover for the 2023 Denver Broncos if they don't perform well. I, I don't I don't see it that way. And nor do I think Sean Payton was some kind of media genius who put all this out there for a specific purpose to get a specific reaction, anticipated what those reactions would be, and then came out with the apology, not an apology to soften it, but you know, it is what it is, and we're good. Um, I just think a guy stepped in it a bit, um, was trying to have a noble purpose to have his quarterback and his team's back. He took it a little too far into the you know media role he used to be instead of the coach role, and now is suffering from that a little bit. But he's not going to lay himself to bear. He's not going to fall on the sword. He's got more things to accomplish. They got to practice today. They got to find a way to get better. I said that it's done. It is what it is. We got to move forward. So if you were a player on this team and you're a veteran at the time, is that kind of what you would hope for from your coach? Like what would be the message you want to hear as a player from Sean Payton in that meeting room over there? Forget the media. Forget, you know, the war of words is happening uh, on ESPN and things like that. In that building, when after those comments came out, what would you like to hear your coach say in front of the team? I said some truthful things that probably would have been better kept quiet. But in the end, that's done. We got practice today. We got to find a way to get better. And as we open the show talking about, we're chasing the Kansas City Chiefs. We're chasing the Los Angeles Chargers. And if our mindset is worried about some things I said four days ago in a newspaper article that's a, at this point is old news, then we're wasting time. We're wasting mental reps. We got to get focused on what is in front of us today. Block all the noise, go out to practice, and achieve something at practice. That's what we need to do as a team. Hit it, Johnny. John Payton, not the only one to make news over the weekend. Frank Clark, new addition to the Denver Broncos, sent a sobering message to the Broncos country about the rivalry, quote-unquote, with the Chiefs. I wouldn't call it a rivalry, and the rivalry is, is competitive. Sure, false. And I'm on the Broncos now, and I've been on the other side. You know what I mean? And we didn't call it a rivalry then. I'm with the Broncos now. Until we become competitive enough, we have to beat the team. We have to win our division. We have to do a few things, not just about the Chiefs. It's things we have to do here. We got to get our own ball together here in order for us to go out there and compete, for us to become one of those factions. 
True. You feel you feel the same way. I mean, how, how how does those comments land if you're a Denver Bronco here in Frank Clark, who's now a member of your locker room, saying that we didn't even take you guys seriously? At some point, the truth does hurt. Mm. The truth does hurt. Ouch. Um, and this one should hurt. And you should let it sting a little bit. You shouldn't be. You should, if you're a Bronco, you don't want to just brush this one off. No, this is a team within your division that you play twice a year, who does not view you as a rival, who does not look at you in, in, in a serious contention kind of way. Um, so um, great for Frank Clark to say that. I think that's something. While it may sting, these guys need to be stung by that because they got to find a way to dig deeper if they're going to supplant the Chiefs as the best team in this division. Our broadcast from Training Camp 2023, powered by Ford F-150 Lightning. I'm looking at it right now. It's a beautiful truck, all electric and built Ford tough. Come check it out here at the denversports.com zone. All right, Frank Clark had some difficult things to say about this quote-unquote rivalry. He doesn't think it's a rivalry. How can the Broncos turn this into a rivalry again, and how can they do that starting today? We're going to keep diving into that next. Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023, thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Reacting to today's practice, the Players Club, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all-electric and built Ford Tough. Get ready to go hit somebody. I mean, you know, some music will get you ready for practice and some doesn't. This does. Rage Against the Machine. We are here at the DenverSports.com zone right across the street from Centura Health Training Center. Some dude just drove by, stopped in the middle of the road, uh, rolled down his window, and we're like, what's up? He's like, hey, hey, tell T-Mac he sucks. (laughs) Hey, if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. Right. Absolutely. Josh Allen. D-Mac is in this dude's head on a, on a, on a Monday morning to stop and say that. So D-Mac, you're doing something right. Yeah, there's a certain polarizing aspect to, to D-Mac and, uh. Michael Porter Jr. is a superstar. It's working for him. (laughs) It's working for him. Chad, is, have you ever, uh, made anyone angry and anything you said, um, on the air? on a broadcast or anything and had somebody come tell you, you suck, Chad Brown. Oh, absolutely. Chad Brown. Oh, I think if you're going to do this job, it's sports. There are strong, strong opinions. No matter what side of something you come down on, there's always going to be someone on the other side. So, I mean, we've seen it on the text line. I've, you know, been told that in the grocery store line. Uh, absolutely. Um, I've done a, a nationally broadcast Some game. of the grocery store line has been like, you're wrong, Chad. Yeah. Wow. Dude. Why you hate the Broncos? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't hate the Broncos. I thought you do hate the Broncos. No, I never. Oh, okay, have. okay, okay. No, never did. I love the Steelers and Bill Belichick, dude. Uh, I'm just, I played for some of the most iconic franchises in the sport. This is also one of the most iconic <laughs> franchises right across the street in the sport. I've got tremendous respect for them. You uh, you got a high standard, don't you, Chad? I do. And afraid. you're holding them to that standard. Yes, I won 32 games in a row in high school. I won championships in Pop Warner. I won national championship at the University of Colorado. My football background is literally littered with greatness and championships. So literally yeah. littered. Yeah. So I have no other way of thinking about this game other than how can we be the absolute best and how nothing how nothing below that is acceptable. Right. Did you ever like? <laughs> yes. Did yeah, you ever like? Did you ever like stand in front of your team when you were with the Steelers or the Seahawks and be like, guys? When I was with the John Muir Mighty Mighty Mustangs and we won 32 games in a row, 
This is what we did. Like, did you ever kind of bring Chad Brown? Bring your high school experience into the lo- pro locker room? No, I did not bring high school experience. I tried to bring some of this. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Seattle experience. Well, Frank Clark is trying to bring the championship experience into this locker. That's what you're supposed to do when you got Super Bowl rings. That's you're supposed to carry that into your next locker room. And he does have rings. He's got two of them. And on top of the comments about this not being a rivalry, which was absolutely true. And if you're the Chiefs, that's how you become so great. You don't you don't build up your opponent to the point where you build them up to more they are, than they are. The Broncos haven't been fielding teams that could compete with the Chiefs. So why would they treat them that way? Well, Frank Clark is here now to instill that into these guys on this team and it it does help to have these guys who have been there and and can show you the way just from a mentality standpoint and Frank Clark had some interesting things to say about what makes a Super Bowl team here he is I think it's the routine the focus level and their ability to be able to eliminate distractions I feel like when you um, eliminate distractions I've been a victim of distractions multiple times in my career whether social media and at away from ball away from the field when you're on your own at home that's the that's the biggest thing you know it's when you're away from this you know because this is so organized this is so routine everything is on the wall for you to you know tells you where to go what to do and then when you get out of here it's like boom you got your whole life now you know you got everything for the day a whole 24 so it's like the, it's imperative that you focus away from here isn't isn't that sort of what Sean Payton was trying to get to with the anonymous donors thing is to limit distractions and create the type of environment here that Frank is Clark is describing right there it absolutely is what Sean Payton was hoping to accomplish. And I saw this screenshot, uh, this image on Twitter uh, last week, and I had to screenshot it. To see a man beat not by a better opponent than by himself is a tragedy. And it's a, a, a custom motto quote, and he's looking at a young Mike Tyson, and Mike Tyson ends up being his own worst enemy as time would go on. That's why I screenshot it. I thought it was tremendous. And that's what Sean Payton is trying to avoid is with the anonymous donor saying, hey, just do the work. Don't be a distraction to this team. Don't be the one that trips us up. You keep your focus. You keep your nose to the grindstone. You keep your head down. You do all the work. And by doing that, that's going to give us the best chance for success. But also along the way, don't do dumb stuff that trips yourself or us up either. And yet Sean Payton can't be the only guy delivering that message to these guys, right? It has to be veteran leadership in the locker room that's been there, done that, and it can help these guys prioritize their time off the field, um, understand and keep some perspective about what their lives have to look like. Like, when I got here, you know, we never won a Super Bowl when I was here, but I played with a lot of guys here who had won two Super Bowls here. And so the, the ethos in the locker room was of a team that expected to win the Super Bowl and knew how to do it. And we had veterans in there who showed us the way. Rod Smith, for example, I talk about him all the time, but he was a guy who would pull rookies aside and and give them that perspective about what they have to be thinking about on the field, when they're at work, and when they're off the field, when they're out in the community, when they're at home, whatever it might be, and ways to streamline your life and so you don't make those kind of mistakes. I mean, um, you know, he had a money meeting for the rookies where he brought us in there and tried to teach us wise ways and unwise ways to spend our money and what it really like you know he brought us in there and he said look if you buy a fifty thousand dollar car it's not just you signing on the dotted line it's this and he pulled 50 grand out of a black bag and dropped it on the table Mm. right i had bought my fifty thousand dollar car a week before (laughs) so thank you for that lesson rob but it was a week too late oh boy um but um, Frank Clark's absolutely right about that, and he is a presence that can be in this locker room teaching these guys. Here he is continuing about what makes a Super Bowl team. 
You know, every team I've been a part of that was successful, I watched our focus. I knew we wouldn't go into Super Bowl two, two years back to back because the second year we wasn't focused enough. It, we wasn't we wasn't together. It wasn't the same type of attachment that we had that first year and last year. So if you ask me, it's always focus. Like I said, I harped on earlier, the ability for the team to connect and on another level. For us to trust our coach, we got a hell of a head coach, man. Sean Payton is a hell of a coach, and he, he believes in his players. He believes in his quarterback. You know, I can't say that about a lot of people, but when you, I believe in Russ. You know, when you trust your quarterback and you believe what that man can do, at the end of the day, you know, it's no telling how far that team can go. Okay, so the magic, the secret sauce is the connection that you have with the players on your team. How, because he talked about the connection, the dedication, the focus wasn't quite there the second year. He kind of knew that was going to happen. They regained it last year. How do you create that connection on a football team? Is it just the practice schedule and then you cut them loose and hope they hope they get there together hope they have the chemistry with one another hope they care about each other hope they hang out off the field how do you create that special connection that leads to a Super Bowl championship I think you have to get your football team to understand there needs to be a shared sacrifice Um, and I think Frank Clark's quotes kind of illustrate this really well they win the Super Bowl the next year he says they weren't as focused well, why aren't you as focused? Because now there's all these Super Bowl opportunities. You can host a radio show. You want to have your own TV show? Sure. Come on to the local you know, station and, and have your TV show. So all those things that happen, uh, you know, instead of, instead of doing an hour more of film study, maybe you're like, oh, i got to get out of here because I've got an autograph signing for 10 grand i got to go do. So those things start to chip away at your focus. But then the next year, the Chiefs recognized we weren't as focused. Let's eliminate that. Let's sacrifice some of these opportunities. Let's sacrifice some of that money. Let's sacrifice some of this exposure that's out there for us so we can be as focused as we possibly can on winning. So it's the focus is secondary, in my opinion, to the overall team feeling of shared sacrifices. I can do this, but I'm going to pass on that because I'm so dedicated to winning. And when guys start making those kinds of decisions, that's when you have yourself a team that's focused in the right way and in the right direction. What about being buddies off the field? Does that matter to you? Because, like, you know, I mean, you got 53 dudes on a team. Right now there's 90 out there. Um, they, they have a lot of different family situations, a lot of different interests. Like, you know, you were married in the NFL. I was not. So you and I probably wouldn't be hanging out a lot off the field. Mm-hmm. You were going home and hanging out with your wife and your kids. I was going out in the streets, hanging out, right, <laughs> looking for love. Right. But I was connecting with my teammates at the same time mm-hmm. and forming a brotherhood and a bond that actually does uh, show up on the field. When you care about each other, you know each other, you've been through stuff together, you like going to work together. How important is it to be friends with the guys on your team? I think the friend thing is awesome, but in my mind, it's still secondary to the shared uh, sacrifice mindset. Because if we're best boys, but we go out every night drinking... Well, no, well, that, no. That, that that ain't good. No, we're friendly. Of course not. Of course not. You got to be dedicated to what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a and, line. And I don't want that to be the impression what I, of what I just said. Okay. All we right. were focused on what we had to do. Uh-huh. But there was a time and a place to let the steam off. And that's important. Yes. That is absolutely whether it's on the road. Um, but again, I think the number one thing, if you're going to put together a successful team, is the shared sacrifice aspect of it. I'm willing to forgo X because this is so important to me. I can't, I, I can't imagine doing anything that would take away from our pursuit of that. 
And really, this is the embodiment of it out there with your pads on in training camp when it gets hot. Now, this is only the first day of pads, but as these days and weeks stack up, you're sacrificing out there. You're getting up in the morning. You don't want to get out of bed. Your body hurts. How am I going to do this again? Well, it's got to be for the guy next to you. It has to be a love for your brother next to you and a belief in where you're going together. We are live here from Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Con Construction, Colorado-owned, family-operated, commercial general contracting for over 30 years along the front range. Check them out at ConConstruction.com. All right, guys. I was at practice on Friday, and I'm going to give you some of my observations on particularly this offense and why they're getting uh, their lunch eaten by the defense in the first day. Can that improve? Will it? What are our observations from the first couple days of practice? We'll do that next.